Well, it's, uh, I will say this, it's such a privilege, you know, I just, in that time of worship, I just felt like there was just something so special about being together and worshipping together and just, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, you know, we try and put words to these things, don't we, but um, just, yeah, I just loved it. So thanks, Jenna and the team for leading us, but thanks everyone for participating, Amen. Um, so, I'm going to look in the scriptures today at um, Isaac. If you want to uh, turn to Genesis, chapter, chapter 26. Uh, and I do recommend that you, if you can, um, get your app out on your, on your phone, if you, just to follow it through. Um, it'd be quite helpful, I think. Um, but does anyone want to tell me what Isaac is fam- who Isaac is famous for? Shout out any things of his story that you might remember. Yeah, he was going to be sacrificed as a child. He was about 13 years old, which is quite remarkable when you think about he would have had to have complied. I don't know how many teenagers would have complied to being sacrificed. Uh, anything else? He dug some wells, yes. Um, he re-dug some and he dug some new ones, which we're going to look at in a bit, a bit later. Oh, you're doing verses, are you, Dan? Yeah? Lovely, thank you. Um, his, his birth was a miraculous birth. Yeah, um, and because he was born to a 100-year-old and a 90-year-old. He was, the, he was the fulfillment of a promise, a promised son. He was willing to be sacrificed. There's these great... Pictures of Christ in Isaac. Um, For those who don't know, Isaac was the son of Abraham um, and the father of Jacob who became Israel, where the children of Israel come from. And so um, often in scriptures you talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so I remember this um, uh, up in London. I don't know why we was there, but for some reason doing evangelism in Leicester Square and Gary Hayes was there at one point. and, um, And someone went to Gary and said, I think they were a Jew, and they said, who do you worship? And he said, I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I thought, I've always remembered that, because it's true. And it just spoke to this guy who was a Jew, and it enabled a conversation saying, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But who is this Isaac? You know, it's like, there's not much written about him. There's basically a lot about Abraham, a lot about Jacob, and then squashed in the middle is this guy, Isaac, who, what we do know is that when he was a kid, he was almost sacrificed, but other than that, there's not much really that we remember unless you remember that he dug some wells. So, yeah, he got a bit blind. Yeah, so he was fooled into um, blessing Jacob instead of Esau, which was the older son, although Esau sold his birthright as well. Um, but even when he knew that he was conned, he didn't change his mind. Something about Isaac, I wish we could go into this. There's something about Isaac who, uh, at the bottom, didn't matter what was going on, he trusted the Lord. There's a, you know, and this is what you find in this. And So there's this real picture of Christ, and he, he stayed in the land, he was obedient to, to God, he stayed in the land, as he, he said. He was a man of peace, he had many op, uh, opportunities for war, and, but he decided that he would just move on. Very Christ-like, if you remember 1 Peter 2.23 says, of Christ, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And you see this in Isaac. It's 
It's very much this picture of Christ. Um, but that's not really what I want to talk about in, in that sense. There is another thing about Isaac, is that he followed in his father's footsteps. Um, and he did two things that exactly what his father did. One of them, he dug a well at Beersheba, which we will look at. The sec- and he, did a, and he made a, an oath with a king there. The second thing is, is that he pretended his wife was his sister in order to be, that he wouldn't get killed. Uh, that's what Abraham did. So that's a bit of a negative, a bit of a downer. But generally, Isaac is known for digging some wells. And, um, but there's something that I really felt to talk about because in this, there's something we can take away ourselves personally. I trust that the Lord will speak to you individually, but there is also, I think, a, something here for us as a church. So in a sense, just preempting our meeting later by, by sharing, I, 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 I trust and I hope that the Lord will speak prophetically into our life as a church together as well. So um, that's where, why we're here in this, in this verse. Um, so here we have this Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and um, often we might step over Isaac but let's just spend a bit of time with him. And um, what Isaac did do was that Abraham had received this call on his life, this promise this covenant with God um, that he will have, you know, from him, all the nations will be blessed. There'll be great nations that will come from him, from Isaac, and also through Ishmael, there were great nations. But through Isaac, there would be this offspring who would, through him, would bless all the nations. And Paul talks about that in Galatians, that is Christ. He says, not offsprings, um, but the offspring, meaning, or the old Bible would say seed, that is in Christ. So Abraham carried in him this covenant and Isaac um, carried that covenant with him to the next generation, i.e. Jacob. And so you get this sense of this transitional figure, this carrying of this covenant on Abraham to the next generation, i.e. Jacob and the children of Israel. Because I've always wondered, why didn't Isaac have 12 sons and then you have the children of Isaac? But he didn't. He had the children of um, Jacob or Israel as he was renamed. Um, Abraham had a new name, didn't he? Abraham became Abraham, Jacob became Israel, but Isaac was always Isaac. Um, Abraham had this great name, you know, I can't remember what it was. It meant something, you know, Jacob was this supplant and then he was renamed, had a new name. Isaac means laughter. You know, it's like, well, this is a very interesting kind of person when you think about it. Um, but here we find ourselves in chapter 26. Um, and so Isaac, Abraham's died. He's had um, e- um, Esau and Jacob. Um, and then we come to 26. And this is the first time recorded that God speaks to him. And he says this. This is chapter, two, uh, chapter 26, verse 2. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in the land. Sojourn means to live temporarily in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to your offspring all the lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws." And what I want to pull out from there in verse 3 is, I will establish the oath 
that I swore to Abraham, your father. And um, the title for my talk is Establishing the Plan of God. You know, so again, just want to draw this person to you. God has a plan for me, for you, and there are times where he will establish that. He needs to establish that, fix it, strengthen it, make sure that it continues. And there was a plan, there was a covenant with Abraham, and Isaac was chosen to establish that covenant. Okay? Are you, are you with me? All right? So these words are important. I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. Um, and so he's talking there about, I'm going to give you these lands. It's the same kind of blessing and uh, oath that he gave to Abraham. He's now giving to Isaac. And so we see then that um, uh, Isaac, he's not the fulfillment of this covenant, but the question is, will the covenant survive? Will the plan survive? Will the plan that God has for this church survive? That's an interesting way to think about it. Will the plan that God has for your life survive where you're at right now? So anyway, so Isaac, so he's told, don't go to Egypt. So he goes to Gerar, which uh, the land of the Philistines. Um, and this is where he says to Abimelech, which is probably the title of the king rather than his name, you know, this is my sister, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he gets into trouble and things like that. We won't look into that story. But in verse 12, it says, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. And so the first thing he does is he obeys the Lord. He stays in the land. He moves to the south part. This is the edge, if you like, of, of Canaan. He's still in Canaan, the promised land. He's sowing and he's reaping a hundredfold. And the Philistines are looking, saying, how comes you're getting a hundredfold and we're getting twentyfold or whatever? You know, and then envy starts to rise um, and they start to see how this man is becoming rich. He's gaining more and more. He's becoming very wealthy. He had lots of possessions. And the Philistines, this is verse 14, envied him. And, it's, and then in verse 15, we're told, this is important for later, now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So well, after Abraham died, now this is when we talk about wells, we can talk about wells a lot. Wells represent something very important. So when Abraham died, the wells that he dug were like titles of ownership of the land. Even if you were a, you know, a, just a temporary resident moving around, that if you dug that well, it was like a title of ownership. So when he died, they stopped it up as though to reclaim the land. Okay? So we're going to that a bit more, a bit later. So anyway, so we see him, they stop the wells and wells are particularly uh, important in that kind of dry environment. This isn't, I'm sure we can understand, even though we're not farmers. Um, but wells provided life to people and to families. You needed water to survive. When you dug a well, as I say, you had this kind of ownership. And wells in the scripture are pictures of, of the inner life 
spiritual life. Remember when Jesus was the, met the woman at the well? He says, I will give you, talked about this uh, water, this living water. Um, wells reveal the hidden blessings of God. Now, I remember there was a, you might not know this, when Andy and Jill Lockwood, some of us might know, used to live down at number 13 Elton Green, that used to be an inn. And they were digging out their basement because they wanted to lower the floor to make it a room. And as, does anyone remember this? And as they dug, they were finding there was water. It's getting wetter and wetter. And in the end, they dug a well. And underneath that row of houses where the church started is an underground river. Now, you don't know until you dig that you're standing on a source of life. And so they dug out this well. They literally built this well, and then they had to pump it out now and then because it would flood. But you don't know the hidden blessings of God. This is, this is one of these kind of like pictures of the well. It represents essentially God's provision. They represent dependence on God. For these that were living in these lands, they depended on water. And so when we see this story of these, these arguments about wells, you know, it's so important to, this, to these uh, people. So the Philistines, they envied Isaac, and then they said, go away from us. And so he leaves. He says, okay. I'm going to go. And then it says, this is um, uh, verse 17, Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. So he went down into the valley. We could talk about that, couldn't we? And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. Right. So I spent a bit of time on these two verses, okay? Verse 18 and verse 19. So verse 19 says, But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of the Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek because they contended with him. So there are two things going on here. The first thing he did was he unblocked the old wells. The second thing it is, he dug new wells, right? The reason I know that, and if you look in the commentators, people would disagree. The reason I believe that's the case is because he says he named the wells the same name that his father gave them, and then he dug new wells that he gave names to that were based on his experience of digging that well, okay? And this is important as we start to sort of like, you know, sort of share a bit about, okay, John, what's the point of all this very interesting history lesson? Okay, so he, <clears throat> he digs these wells and, he's, and the first of all what he does is he uncovers the blessing of his father. Okay, it's the first thing he does. He uncovers the blessing of his father that was covered up by the Philistines and then he continues in that blessing by reclaiming the old names that his father had given them. There's a picture I want us to form in, in our hearts of this. He's continuing the story of Abraham. He's continuing the covenantal blessing of Abraham. He's taking it with him. He's linking the covenant that God had and the blessing that God had given his father and he's going to link it up with the blessing that God's going to give his children. He's a... He's bridging the gap. Are you seeing this? Okay. So the wells of blessing, what they represent, 
He's uncovering them. And he's enjoying them, and not that they were stopped. So if we take this, you know, what are the blessings that we've had in our heritage? It's not that we've stopped them, it's just that God is going to reveal them afresh to us. We're going to be reminded, we're going to come, maybe come back into something fresh and wonderful. You know, that kind of idea. But in, in Isaac, he's, it's, he's continuing that covenant of rest. He's bringing with him the blessing of the generation before. Now he's walking into the blessing of the next generation by digging new wells, by uncovering new blessing. So, we'll hopefully build this picture. So when Isaac's servants dug in the valley, verse 19, they found their well of spring water. That's a running well. There were some wells that were not running wells. Like there were springs and there were wells that you would just put your bucket and lift up your water kind of thing. But there were these springs and they were like, that's like gold quality water, right? And they discovered one. It's like they've come out of blessing where hundredfold and this kind of thing, they'd had all these new blessings, but they didn't just stay in the old blessing of Abraham. No, because Isaac is moving and there's movement in the Lord, isn't there? That's why the Christian life is a walk, not a standstill. When you stand still, it's like as someone once said, you know, if it's like the Christian life is like being on a river, you're paddling upstream. And when you stop paddling, you go backwards, right? So he's moving forward. He's enjoying the blessing of his father, but he's moving forward. And then he digs a well, and his moon is like, we've got this spring well, and we're enjoying this water. Maybe you move into something in the Lord, a new phase of your Christian life, and you're just enjoying this blessing. It's like the world is just so good right now. Everything is falling into place. And then sooner or later you find that something encroaches upon your blessing. Something comes along. It could be your children have problems or you have physical problems or you have financial problems or there's just spiritual issues that are coming and something seems to want to block the well. Yeah? I don't know if you felt that. I have. Um, and you sort of think, well, what happened... Anyway, Isaac comes, and so he, he, what does he do? He calls this, so he says, look, there's contention here. And they come along and they say, this is our water. Now, Isaac, and this is what I'm, you know, take this or leave, but I think Isaac's remembering this. I will multiply your water. I will give you this land that you will temporary living, and I will be with you, and I will bless you for you and your offspring. He knows, listen, I don't, it doesn't matter, wherever I pitch my tent, God will give me a well. I don't need to fight you. This is this character of Isaac. Now, maybe it was Abraham, he would have taken up arms and said no. But with Isaac, he says, no, okay, I'll move on. No, I will commit unto him who judges justly. I'm going to move on. So he moves on and he digs another well. And it says here in verse 21, then they dug another well and they quarreled over that also. So he called that Sitna, which means enmity. Um, And what does he do? He says, I'll move on. Wherever I go, the Lord will bless me. I'll just keep digging. And sometimes we just got to keep digging. And maybe you feel like you're going for a period where your blessing is being encroached upon. Keep digging. Amen? So he keeps on digging. He goes along and he finds another well. This is in verse, um, verse 22. And he moved from there and he dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, which means... The God has given us room. It's almost like this, I have arrived. I've made it. I've, you know, there's no one quarrelling over me. I've got a well. 
but yet there's something in him that is saying, maybe there's this call. You're not called to arrive, you're called to move. Because he doesn't stay there. He finds his place, for now the Lord, it says at the end of verse 22, now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. And in verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba. So he doesn't stay there. It's interesting, isn't it? Just because things are going all, you know, some of you are thinking, oh, the world is just rainbows and sweets on the horizon. I don't know, I can't think of a word saying it. It's just wonderful. You've got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. Spiritually, I'm talking about. I don't mean physically, by the way. Well, who knows? From there he went up to Bathsheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham. This is verse 24. Your father, fear not, for I am with you. Now listen to what he's saying. Make a note of what he's not saying, okay? Let's do a bit of work together, shall we? I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. What does he leave out in that blessing? Anyone notice? that he said before. Shall I tell you? No? Maybe that as well, but he didn't mention the land. And I think this is significant because Isaac did knew, I think by that time he, said, he knew, this is my land. And God didn't need to keep telling him, I'm going to give you this land. He said, it's plain to me, Lord, you've given me this land. Everywhere I go, I dig and I find a well. And when he's in Beersheba and God says to him, you know, I'm going to, you know, I will bless you. I'm the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I'm with you. I will bless you and multiply you. All the same things for my servant's sake. And then he built an altar there and he says, and he dug a well. And he's in this place called Beersheba. And so, there's something really important here just to, you know, he's arrived at Rehoboth. The Lord has made room for him. We see that this man is, is a man of peace. He's trusting God to deal with his enemies. He's not having to go to war with them. He's patient. He knew that God would provide for him every time he'd pack up his tents, move his flocks to another place. He would persevere, he'd keep on digging, knowing that he will find what he needed. And, and then we have this blessing and he knows that everywhere he lays his feet, he'll find provision, God's provision. And so he builds this altar. And whenever you see this in scripture, this is the first time he says this. Just thinking, Has he not been worshipping God then so far? But when they build an altar, it means that I am, you know, this is my God. I will worship him. I've chosen to display my worship and my uh, following of this God. This is my God. I've pitched my tent, as it were, in the kingdom of God. And there are three things here. You've got an altar, a tent, and a well. And the altar basically means dedication. I dedicate my life to the Lord. All right? The second thing, you know, there's no other God for him. There's no turning back. He's following God. He's committed. He's dedicated, sacrificial life to God. The second thing, he pitched his tent he didn't build a house. He remained committed to this temporary, detached life from this world to say, I am ready, 
and and willing to go as the Lord says. I'm willing to move according to the word of the Lord. He's not built, he's not settling down as it were and being unmovable. And the third thing a well, as we said already, dependence. You know, now, so he's come to this place, he's dug all these wells, at the moment he's digging a well, looking for water, and Abimelech turns up. You know the king that kicked him out? Comes to him and said, it's clear that God has blessed you. You see this in verse, uh, verse 28, uh, 27, 28, uh, 26 onwards rather. And Isaac says, but you told me to go. And, and Abimelech says, you know, we dealt nicely with you, didn't we? And he was like, mm, not really. And he says, um, you know, it's clear that the Lord has blessed you. Let's make an oath. And this is exactly what the previous Abimelech did with Abraham. He said, let's make an oath. And so Abraham, he got seven ewes, and he said, this is a sign. This is back in chapter one, if you want to check this out. This is a sign, we'll make an oath. And, and in that Beersheba, Abraham dug a well. And it was called the well of seven, or the well of oath, which means Beersheba. So Sheba meaning seven. Now, um, Isaac did the same thing. All right? Now, you know you, I, I love to bring in a little bit of Hebrew. He called it the well of seven. So in Beersheba, there are two wells. There's the well of Abraham, and there's the well of Isaac. But Isaac's well, although he called it Beersheba, it's already named Beersheba, that place, because of Abraham, but he called it that well. He added a little letter on the end of Sheba. It's a he or he. And what it means to this, let me, let me read this. Beersheba was named a second time as though to extend and continue the original blessing and significance that Abraham gave it. It connected the present with the past. But this Sheba... With the addition of this little letter, it signified not merely an oath or fall, but satisfaction and abundance. And that letter also is the number five. And any numerologist know what number five means? Grace. It's like, so you see, there's this well of Abraham, this well of Isaac, connecting together, continuing this blessing, connecting it with the past moving it into the future. And even though there's evidence these days, those two wells are still there. There's one from one generation and another by the next. But the next one is a continuation with extra. It's a continuation, you can see this, but there's this extra blessing. So I'm going to bring this to a close. I want us to try to think about these things. See, for, for us individually, you know, God has a plan for my life, for your life as individuals. God has a purpose and a plan. We understand that, do we not? We believe that. And there are times where we go through blessing and we go through times of difficulty, but we keep digging. And we realise we just got to keep digging. The blessing is there. When God is with us, it doesn't matter if we're moved from one place to the other, God will provide. And I know that that's... I'm talking generally, and there's detail in that. And some of the songs that we've been singing, interestingly, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, you know, I just think this, our God is greater. It's this reminder that whatever's going on, there is that God is greater. For Isaac, God had everything for him. Wherever he moved, he found a well. And there's something so significant in that for our lives that we can keep 
trusting that he will move us into the places of blessing, even though there will be contention and trial. There's always another well. We've just got to keep digging. And we patiently trust in the Lord as our provider. We keep trusting him, we keep moving forward. But let me ask you this. Have you got those things? Have you set up your order? Your order of dedication? There's this place where we have to realise that we need to be dedicated to the Lord. And, I, and maybe there's no one here, so I'll say it for if anyone might be listening. There are some who are more dedicated to their life in the world than they are in their life of God. You will never find blessing if you're dedicated to your life in the world than your life in God. You never will. And what about these other things that I mentioned about, you know, we pitch our tent. Are you flexible? Are you willing? Are you willing to hear the call of God and say, you know, maybe all your plans for the future that you set out, God has another plan. Maybe you're getting there and God says, now go south. Now go to Beersheba. But I've just made it to Rehoboth, Lord. You've made room for me. I'm here. I want you to go to Beersheba. Are you willing to be moved? To be available to God? To be positioned in that sense? We're positioned for dedication, dependency on God and detachment. And we can know that by where we spend our time, can't we? And I'm not talking about church, I'm talking about us individually, where you spend your time in investing in your walk with the Lord or your life in the world. That's how we know. Of course, we've got to go to work. I'm not talking about time, adding up your time. I'm talking about investing yourself in things. But what about for us? What's this relevance to us? And this is what I feel for us as a church. And what's helped me with this is it put a little bit of a shape to what I feel in my heart God is doing. Um, and what it might look like. And first, I believe that God, that um, the, the unseen or the, the blessings of our heritage, we've, we've got so much more to gain from them. You, you know what I mean? The unblocking of Abraham's worlds. What God has done in this church over the last 50 years, or nearly, is incredible. And so whenever we talk about moving on, sometimes it's like we turn our backs and say, oh, what's next? It's not, it's, it's drawing from the past and moving into the future. That's what Isaac did. I'm connecting with the, with the Beersheba of Abraham and I'm with the Beersheba of Isaac and I'm bringing it together. You know, what is it that God is going to do in this realm of the spirit, in this church, that maybe we've forgotten about that God has done in the past. Or maybe because there are many of us who weren't there in the past. And I'm not talking about nostalgic kind of stuff. I'm talking about depths of the spirit that, that God wants to bring alive afresh to us, maybe. I don't know. You know, maybe the, you prophetic people can pray into this and see what the Lord is really saying. <laughs> But there's something there. It's like we have a wonderful heritage. And, you know, God has moved wonderfully. But we also need to dig some new wells. We need to move forward with this expectation. There is something new and fresh that God has for us. And we need to dig some new wells. And, and I feel that, in a sense, that we are, 
at this time in the church, have this incredible Isaac opportunity. It's not about Isaac, what he was doing. It was about the children of Israel. Do you see, what I'm, do you see the picture? What we are doing now in the church, what God is doing now in the church and how we respond is going to affect incredibly the next era of our church life. And I might not be there. I might be getting too old too quick. I love it that people don't go, no, John, no, John. <laughs> you know, just to finish on this, it's like, it's like making, how do we make room for this next era of church life? And, and later I want to talk a bit practically about just that direction. It's not going to be, this is the vision, are you with us? It's like, this is the direction I feel. What conversations do we need to have? You know, let's talk, church. Let's have a conversation. This is where I feel we're, you know, we're pitching our tent at Beersheba. What is God doing? We need to dig some wells. So I'm, I'm trusting the Lord will make this clear to us. But if anything, you know, we just got to keep digging. God's got some new things for us. It's wonderful. I've said before this, I'll finish with this. I felt as though, and I may be repeating myself, but I think I need to, that the church, has, we've been brought into this train station as a church and a whole bunch of people have got off and people are getting on, we're getting resupplied and we're looking at the ticker board. Remember the old ticker boards? that used to go, you know, in the, if, if you're younger than 40 or whatever, I don't know, you might not remember. But it used to not be digital, would you mind? You, know? you used to like these little things, tick, 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 and you used to see it come up and you're looking for your gate and it's like, it's moving. Right, I, know, I, think, I think I know what gate we've got to go to, or I know what, you know, the train's getting ready to move. That's what I feel like. It's this time in the, in the train station. God's starting to move, and he's saying, right, let's get going. Who's on board? Right, is everyone on board right now? We'll pick up some people on the way. There's other train stations along the way, but we're ready to move forward. And so, you know, we're, we're getting ready to head off on our next phase of our journey. But, Amen. So let me, let me just maybe end with this prayer. I don't know if the worship team want to come up. Um, but just to pray personally for us, for, for, for you know, individuals in a sense. Father, I just want to pray, Lord, that we will know on our individual journeys that you do have a purpose and a plan and a provision Lord, as I read this week, that where your presence is, there your provision is also. Lord, and we want to walk with you, want to move with you, and there are times where we move into blessing and it's like things just come along and steal it, but Lord, it need not mean that we have to fight for it, but that we just keep moving, we keep digging, and you will always bring out the blessing, Lord. I want to thank you for Isaac, Lord. I want to thank you that he's included in the scriptures, a man who trusted your provision, and he was trustful. He was, you trusted him with continuing that covenantal promise that we have the benefit of today. Lord, will you just encourage us this morning, Lord, to keep digging, keep trusting you. Lord, knowing when we need to fight, but knowing when we need to move. Lord, so we just, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, will you make these things alive to our hearts and to our minds? In Jesus' name, amen.